episode of the Trial Lawyer Podcast. My name is Gabriel White. I'm here with my partner Dan Garner from, from the law firm of White and Garner. And also here is Scott Powers from the law firm of Snow Christensen and Martineau. And today we are going to discuss a odd phenomenon that I think most members of the public are not familiar with, which is um, the fact that there is a... Every year, the number of trials... The vanishing jury trial. Yeah, the vanishing jury trial. The number of civil cases that go to jury trial actually declines, usually, from year to year. Um, Before we jump into that too much, I wanted to tell you a little bit about our partnership with trialguides.com, who is a leader in continuing education for civil plaintiff and criminal defense trial lawyers. They produce great books, DVDs, CLEs, live webinars, and more um, that will help you in your practice. I know it's helped me in my practice a great deal. A lot of their materials have been very useful in overcoming some of the biases that uh, adjusters or juries may have when looking at your case and getting your clients better results. And between now and August 31st of 2019, You'll visit trailguides.com and enter the code TLP19. That's the letters TLP and the number 19 at checkout. You can get 10% off your entire order. Um, and, uh, you know, what a great deal. I mean, the opportunity to improve your practice, you know, five, six, tenfold and uh, get 10% off just because you listen to this wonderful podcast. So uh, we did encourage you to go over to trialguides.com and uh, check them out. I think they do have years where it goes up a little bit, but I think overall the the issue or the, um, the number of of cases that get tried goes down every year. Obviously, this is different from why the number of criminal trials might go up or down. Um, I think that has more to do with the prosecutor's schedules, but maybe that's just my my bias there. If the prosecutor's more busy, they're going to make more generous plea bargains. Criminal cases, well, I think it's, in criminal, I think it's two things. One is... Because most prosecutors I talk to, they they do a trial probably every other month. I hear, I, well, I hear, I, and I hear at least. appellate judges saying that they have a problem that a, the huge majority of their dockets are criminal cases. Yeah. So I think what's going on in criminal is we there's two things as a society we've created more laws, which has created more crimes, and and so people. Uh, more than ever before are getting charged with crimes. And so the number of that's going up, I think the number of trials is staying about the same, but the ratio is what's changing. Well, and I, I, I heard, yeah, I heard a, I, a judge on the on the Ninth Circuit once say, you know, if, if you put a traffic cop on, have somebody follow him down, follow him down the road for yeah, 500 miles, they, they're going to... Find something, some five hundred miles for sure. Yeah, five some find some reason to pull them over, but um, yeah, or they're gonna break. Every, what's he say? Something like everybody winds up 
unknowingly breaking five or six federal laws every day. Um, but the number of civil trials going down is of concern, not just because we got went to law school because we enjoyed doing civil trials, but also because it provides us with less information as, as lawyers and on the other side, I think the insurance companies, as to what cases are actually worth. And so when negotiations happen, um, the numbers involved and the, the, the potential outcomes have less... Uh, are, are less closely correlated with reality because you know normally yeah. you assume that settlement's going to be driven a lot by what would happen if the case were taken all the way to trial. If we're having fewer trials, then we're not getting that information, Scott. But before we get into that, just a brief word from our sponsors. Unfortunately, most lawyers are never available when you need them. Many of them don't put your interests first. The lawyers at White & Garner do things differently. We take each case very seriously. We will always put your interests first. We represent people who have been injured in accidents. We also handle commercial litigation cases. Other law firms assign your case to a paralegal or secretary and put that person in charge of managing your case. Getting your actual attorney on the phone can be a nightmare, no matter how important your case. At our firm, every case is important, and every client gets our full attention. We only take cases that we are comfortable taking all the way to a jury trial. Every move we make helps us better prepare your case for trial. To get the best results at trial, you need a lawyer that is paying attention and that is not afraid of a jury. You need the lawyers at White & Garner. Each client of White & Garner has access to their attorney at any time, any day of the week. You can talk directly to your attorney about your case at any time, day or night. If we do miss your call, we will get back to you within 24 hours. If you hire a lawyer from White & Garner, we will be there for you when you need us. That is our promise, and we keep our promises. Yeah, I think that, I mean, why well, I was going to jump in real quick is because when I was at Kip and Christian, we had one adjuster that was obsessed with finding out different, uh, we had like four dog bites in a row, and he was just obsessed with uh, what, did, what do you think the jury will come back with, and so, you know, we had to get the reports and everything, and there wasn't that a, a ton of information, especially for Salt Lake, there had only been like two or three. But they were... But they were assessed with the jury, though, not necessarily with settlements on that same subject. Well, well he was—he wanted to know what had been the last verdicts in a dog bite case, and in Salt Lake, and there had only been like two or three cases that had gone to trial. I suppose that's the irony, right? You want that information because that dictates how you settle stuff. But without, right. but if you settle stuff, that information isn't available. Yeah, and I mean, there was there was a long time, and I, I still probably, if I had a case. And I had a wrongful death case once involving a, a, a 10-year-old, 9, 10-year-old boy. And um, the, you know, it, well, it, it was very useful, at least on our side, when we were negotiating with the other side, to be able to point to the fact that there had been, in the last, in the few years before that, two cases in Utah, one decided by a jury and one decided uh, by... Uh, I think, believe it was Judge Kimball, um, involving the death 
of a nine-year-old boy, um, you know, in different ways uh, than in our case. Our case involved the death in a fire, and one of the cases was a, a fire death. It was a, I think it was a spark arrestor case that they hadn't put a, a products case, hadn't put a, I think it's a spark arrestor on a gas can, and it lit up and burned down a motorhome that the kid was in, and the other one was that uh, infamous uh, bear case up in one of the canyons against, I think it was against the Forest Service, and Judge Kimball was the fact finder and had to determine what the wrongful death, the loss of society and companionship value was to the parents of losing a nine-year-old because they had, somebody at the Forest Service, they'd known there was an aggressive bear in the area they were going to try and remove, but they didn't put up the warning signs on one of the campsites, but they did on some of the others. And so they found that, you know, they were responsible when this bear dragged this kid out of his tent in the middle of the night and, you know, ate him. So, um, you know, we were able to argue and say, look, here's what a judge has found this is worth. Here's what a jury has found this is worth. Just one more reason I don't need to go camping. But uh, aside from that, go camping. the other, um, you know... Oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. Just, uh, you know, have a, a, a firearm and don't keep food in your tent. I think there was actually an issue of allocation of fault. I don't think it was a bunch of, it was like a granola bar, but, you know, one thing's enough. But there was an allocation of fault argument in that case. I, I want to say, I, it's been a long time since I've read it, but, um, you know, we were able to argue, look, this is, these ju- you know, we, we think we can get $3 million in this case. And it, it, you know, we, we weren't able to get them up to $3 million, obviously, but we were able to get them to settle a case that at the beginning, you know, they had said, no, there's no way we we're ever going to settle this case. And we don't think you're ever going to get anything at trial because we said, well, this is how much money we're playing with. I mean, this is, you got a million dollar policy. It was a, a problem with a smoke alarm at an apartment complex and, um, you know, we had some really good, I thought, really good liability arguments, and and um, we, you know, were able to get them to negotiate with us and get a good settlement out of it because, part because we were able to hold up these verdicts and say, look, if the jury decides to find in our favor, I mean, if they were even willing to hold the, the government liable, if a bunch of taxpayers were willing to hold the government liable, well, I guess in that case it was the judge. So if the judge is willing to assess it at this, and we've got a jury in Utah who puts this value on it, we think, you know, if we can convince them that you guys screwed up, we can get a similar verdict. And I that was motivating enough for them to come to the table and to put up numbers that, um, you know, weren't what my client wanted, but were enough to, to take care of some of the bills and make things happen, make them not happy, but, you know able to live with it well how how reliable is that jury information anymore though because so much does settle and i i know most of the settlements i've reached in the last year I mean, i've probably settled 30 cases yeah and i don't think any of them are reported now grant a lot of them are there and are you know compensated construction issues well and and you know you get there's a lot of scuttlebutt that, that would goes help around. uh both sides if if people reported settlements, like if Westlaw had a index of, well, they do, yeah. but, but they're not. 
most settlements, most of them are, wind up being confidential, confidential so yeah. they don't get reported. Well, I'm not saying in this case. I, that's yeah. not what I'm saying. I'm not saying in, in you know, egg, you know, be you know, defend plaintiff first defendant case I settled th- for X. So I'm saying dog bite. You know, maybe no, a little I, bit more information. Medicals. I think what you're saying this. makes sense. Let me let me rephrase what you're saying. Given that both sides are incentivized to be to have that information, wouldn't it make sense to report it more often so that you could avail yourself of it? Well, the problem uh, the problem with doing that, I mean, I, I would like it, but I don't think most defendants. I don't think most defendants would. Uh, I mean, that, that provides a disincentive for def- defendants to settle. Why? You think in, so? Not at all. In especially in cases it... where there are defendants that that make decisions, kind of. I don't want to say they make decisions as a block, but they are. I mean, and I'm thinking specifically medical malpractice. I mean, we have, we have, you know, defendants where, you know, there's there's really only there's one major probably, you know, three or four minor. Um, target defendants in Utah in the medical malpractice arena and you know these guys and their lawyers communicate and those are the guys typically that want the heaviest confidentiality protections Um, in fact some of the some stages of litigation are protected by statutory confidentiality I don't understand I still don't get what you're saying I'm saying that how it, it you, disincentivizes if, them. If you I if you if you pass the, the if you if you set a rule that said look, uh, you have to disclose. Well, I don't think we were talking about making a rule. Maybe that's the disconnect here. What was what is the proposal? There's no proposal. We don't have any action items. We're just talking about stuff, Gabe. No, but I mean, what what legislation are are we going to agree on here? But what are you talking about then? What are you suggesting? I was referencing just, do you think the defense, or I know I would like, because, so if if we had a list of say, okay, these last, you know, I keep using dog bite, these last 20 dog bite cases settled for X, and they were all similar fact patterns, you know, and you can look at, yeah. Oh well, yes, and, I would and love see, that. What, but but the reason, and if a unicorn to ride, okay, well, well, what I'm saying is, the reason, so, but the defense could use that too and say, look, you guys are asking for. Three times what and, all these other cases. Well, and this for. this all stems from the discussion right now of what the effects are and continue to be from having less jury trials. And, and the initial thing we were talking about is the inability to look to other jury trials as indicative of the value of a case. And so what we're saying, not necessarily as an action item, but what we're saying is both sides are and should be incentivized to report settlements so that even though you might have a dearth of, of jury trial information, you still have the ability to look at what the present value of X might let be. Me, what if you look at it from a consumer standpoint let me, where it said, uh, XYZ law firm, their average settlement on a case like mine is this, and XYZ law firm's average settlement on a case let like me mine tell you why. why. Let, me t- like let me tell you why, though. I would this love is, Let me tell you why this is not going to happen. From a consumer standpoint. Let me tell you why this is not going to happen. Let him, don't let them tell you why. It's because, it's because the insurance... my dream. It's because most insurance companies already have this information. Why'd you let him? Because they use programs, well, like, they use programs like Colossus or some of these other adjusting programs that aggregate 
information about what are their settlements, and they, unlike plaintiffs, they are frequent enough players in the game. They, you know, handle enough cases that they can get reliable information. Like, okay, if we have a dog bite in Salt Lake City, being handled by this law firm, you know, we have we can actually go back and reference five previous settlements that that meet these criteria and look at what they settled for. Or we can go back and look at, you know, these verdicts because they have it organized in the computer and they're never going to part with that data. Do you think but, they actually have that? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Some do. Some I don't do. think. I don't. I, I, think I mean, they, how many times were you on reports when you filled out for the insurance company asked to evaluate opposing counsel, to evaluate the venue, to evaluate the judge, to... Give your evaluation of you know well, sure, whatever. but if but if they already had that information, they wouldn't need my evaluation. No, but every every additional every additional piece of information makes what they the the estimates they can make more statistically significant, and it helps them it helps them keep up with changes over time. So if yeah, the jury pool is getting more likely to. I, lead I to agree the with you that probably. Some insurance companies have their information, but a lot of the ones I worked with, I don't think did, because they were asking me to provide it. I they're they're asking you to provide it on a. I mean, how many times did you have this experience? I well, had I'm this saying a lot, like from the where like, I would fill out a form, I would I would send get, it off. Okay, how about this, guys? And then and then and then I would get a phone call from the adjuster saying, "Now let's discuss the case." Okay, it was clear that was just going into a machine whether, or into a file or whatever. Whether or not. Yeah. I think a lot of them don't have it, but it, I think there's unquestionable, it's unquestionable that they're aggregating it right now. And whether or not they have it now or will have it in the future, I think that at some point, yeah, most insurers are probably going to have tables if they don't already. But I think even right now, we all kind of have similar rules of thumb where you look at you know, a case, and every case is, to a degree, custom. And you look at a case, you see what medical conditions, assuming a personal injury case, you see what it costs to deal with those conditions, you deal with the future effect of those conditions, and you give it a number. And I think you can do that with some accuracy, just based on the numbers and knowing kind of where they go. But well, in the, in the jury trials, it's going away. I mean, we, every it seems like every action the bar takes is to almost have jury trials go away, whether it be well, mediation, yeah. arbitration. Well, but what they're doing is they're putting the, you know, the people's fates more in their own hands, and they look at risk and they say, I, I can control my own risk as opposed to letting someone else control it. Do I want to do that? Yeah, and, and I, well, and I think a lot of the rule changes are driven by this perception that, you know, just legal services are too expensive. And so, how can we make it? How can we make? How can we make legal services cheaper? Well, let's try and create rules that incentivize people to settle sooner. I mean, yeah, I we've probably all been in front Access of a judge where you're getting ready to go to trial, and you can tell the judge. You know, judge sets a trial date because it's time to do that. But then they set 15 different steps before that, including requiring you to engage in mediation or some sort of meaningful settlement procedure before they'll firm up the date. You know, they give you a second place setting instead of a first place setting because they want you to settle the case before you clog up their calendar with, you know, a two-week trial. I mean, I assume... Judges like to go out on lakes with jet skis just as much as everyone else does. and Well, I don't know how much of it is lakes with jet skis or going back to the initial point that was raised by uh, Dan, which is um, 
you know, there are an amount of, you know, a number of jury trials that are happening, and with increased population, I think the large majority of those are going to be criminal, and so they've still got a full calendar. They still have jury trials, but the civil ones, if they think there's a possibility that they go away, then they try to push those off as much as possible so they can keep squeezing more criminal in. Well, and your average your average civil trial is usually more complicated than your average. Oh, for it sure. It takes longer than your average criminal trial. Not to say that there aren't complicated <clears throat> criminal trials, but I'm talking about your average. Sure. Yeah. Average criminal trial is probably a day. Yeah. On average. Yeah, whereas average civil trial is probably so somewhere between probably three days and a week. That having been said, I think you need always, and granted this is a you know constitutional thing, so it's not going away anytime soon, but you know those brave souls who can't seem to come to terms... Uh, with the other side, they need to keep having those jury trials just because the threat needs to be real. It needs need to be work, recourse. People, I gotta work. Need jobs for lawyers. That's what we need. Right? I've got a, I've got a pretty hot jury trial that might be coming up. I'm excited. Really? Uh, How much can you tell us about it? Uh, when you go, although I have, a, I have a Rule 68 offer that's pending, and they ask for more time to consider it, so maybe they're taking it seriously. But it comes down to the point where. We could we, we've can you evaluated tell us anything it. about the facts at all? Uh, no. I don't want to get too into we'll it. bring the mic and... and There's and, not a uh, gag order in place, though, right? No, but I don't want to give away too much... Uh too much potential we'll strategy do. stuff because there's a lot of money. We'll bring the mic and we'll podcast it. We'll podcast. We'll live, live, pod, live podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we're moving into the motion. Your Honor, we'd like to make a motion for a live podcasting booth of this civil trial involving, you said, a zip line. <laughs> yes, that's probably giving away too much. How is that giving away too much? What the How many zipline cases are there going on in Utah at any given time? Which, Maybe you don't have two? an obligation to keep the fact that a case exists a secret. No, it's, I know. It's I know. In the public but if record. we wanted to talk about why a trial is going to happen, ultimately, oh, sure. let's just no, say this. Just, you, you, you I'm got, excited. I hope a trial happens because you have yeah, an interesting you get case. Few of these. Getting in doing dog and pony show is going to be fun. Yeah, I mean. You have a case. You're excited to take it to trial. Oh yeah. Presumably, it has interesting facts, fun stuff. You get you, to do. You would be one of the point five percent of all civil filings. Yeah. To go to trial. Less than one percent. And I've got another uh, another less exciting uh, contract case that might go to trial too. Those can be fun though. I mean. Well, it's a constr- it's a construction case involving no. concrete. Yeah, no, it's nope. gonna be pretty. Nope, not, nope, not gonna be fun. Not fun. Ladies and gentlemen of the public, <laughs> if. You come in there and you see Scott Powers. You want to ask, is this the zipline one or, or the concrete one? Is this the uh, crappy concrete one? If the contractor the concrete, who wants to be paid for his crappy concrete. It's, it's the contract one. I do not believe in the jury system, and I think that... It has failed. It has <laughs> failed. All, all construction, yeah. all concrete. All concrete contractors are crooks, crooks. And, I could, and I cannot overcome that bias. There you go. Um... But if it's about zip lines, well, here's like, the thing though: be it's, like, I am fair and unbiased. But wait, not that, all things that case related. is contractor against contractor. Ooh. Oh, so it's like watching uh, it's like watching Stalin fight Hitler, right? You just don't know what to do. No, I'm kidding. My clients are good. These are hard. You just said your clients are Stalin or Hitler. I just asked you to describe the I was facts characterizing of the case. <laughs> you knew the one calling him. He wasn't like, talking about this case specifically. He, yes, that's he right. Was, Thank you, Dan. He was just trying to be, you know. Generally. Uh, 
He did. He, he see, was using see, the wrong pronoun. Dan, Dan is the northbound end of the northbound dog. Gabe is the southbound end. <laughs> he's just he's just trying to build up controversy for the podcast. I am. Dun dun dun. Keep it real. Yeah. Before we wrap things up, just wanted to mention again our partner, trialguides.com. That's trialguides.com. They provide great books and DVDs and CLEs and other resources for civil plaintiff and criminal defense trial lawyers. Amazing stuff. Uh, as we mentioned at the beginning, enter the, the code TLP, the letters TLP19, as in Trial Lawyer Podcast. 19 at checkout and get 10% off your order um, you know between now and August 31st 2019 so encourage you to check them out and uh, on their website also follow them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn thanks alright well keep doing your jury trial stuff guys yep so it's important if, if you have a case and uh, you're you're wondering if you should take it to trial, the answer is I cannot tell you the answer to that. I don't know about your case. <laughs> I'm your lawyer, but, but from this point on, our, we want our firm more will never not trials. go to trial, right? Yeah, we're always never going to settle unless our clients tell us that we have to. Even then, we're going to. Just kidding. For purposes of our practice insurance policy, uh, we are not going to do that, but. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, I know. Why so serious? Okay. Thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Trial Wear Podcast. Have a nice day.